I would encourage that you uh, do what your family would like to do with the columbarium. Sooner the better. The closer we get to those dates, the more people will be crowding in. So, and we do have to limit and have restrictions on this. And we, you know, when you're a little church and nobody pays any attention to you, but you know, we're a big church and we're close to city hall. Lots of people pay attention to us. We need to make sure that we keep all of the rules. And everybody said, so we work very hard. And folks, you have been so patient with all the mask and the contact tracing and, you know, the alcohol. You have been so patient. Will you give each other a clap offering, please? You have been so patient. Now, we've asked that our frontliners who work inside the hospitals, uh, again, this is one of the things that was told us that we had to do for our 10% capacity, uh, that the um, medical doctors and nurses who work in the COVID wards and things, that they would have to sit in a special area of the service. We will not say where they are. Um, and that's for health reasons. Now, it's been embarrassing for them. And the one group of people we don't want to be embarrassed right now are the frontliners in the hospitals. They have they have so sacrificed for our people. And everybody said, now what we're going to do when this whole thing is over, I just tell all of you doctors and nurses and stuff that are having to sit in special sections and you've been embarrassed by it, please, we will make this up to you when we get through this thing. As a church, we're going to take all of our doctors and nurses who have been the frontliners in COVID, we're going to take them out for a beautiful banquet and feed them and celebrate them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, but in the meantime, thank you. Now, when it comes to coming into the columbarium, please, you can make a phone call or our pastors are not calling every three days anymore. And folks, when you hear me say things like that, if it's not happening, always let me know. Everybody say, that's what messenger is for. Just send me a messenger. Hey, pastor, nobody has called my house. Now, we, we understand, especially young people, that no pastor was calling many of you. And we've taken care of that situation now. That, you know, the young people called you, but no pastor was calling you every three days like they were supposed to during the early days of lockdown. So young people, if you're listening to me, my deepest apologies. Pastors will be calling you this week and apologizing and seeing what we can do to help you and be a blessing to you. And everybody said? But when your pastor calls this week, because we call every member now every five days, at least once a week, we call every member. We, call, we don't call the family. We call every member. So every father, every mother, every young person, every child should be called by their departments and prayed for and talked to. And everybody said, we walk through this journey together. In seasons like this, we don't let the sheep feel that shepherds have abandoned them. We may not be able to do visitation in homes, but we can do visitation by Zoom and by Viber and by WhatsApp and by WeChat and by whatever ways there are. But we want to take good care of you. Now, when we call, if you want us to set up an appointment for you for the columbarium with your family, we can do that for you. And while we're doing that, may I ask that your family also do Fortress 91. And we have a little 10, 15-minute service up here at main campus on the, the mezzanine, the river room, each of the campuses has a room set apart for it. Have a little mini service for your family and pray for your family and serve communion. And everybody said? All right. Would you open your Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 6? Ephesians chapter 6. I've been having fun with this one all weekend long. Thank you for a little rest for my voice last weekend. It didn't get as much rest as I wanted it to, but thank you for the rest of the voice last weekend, and our pastors did a wonderful job. But it's been a couple of weeks since we've been into this, so please let me review this with you. 
There are important truths that build upon truth. Truth is something that you learn piece by piece. You don't learn multiplication before you learn addition. Truth, everybody say truth, accumulates. All right. First Chronicles 12, verse 32. Uh, the men of Issachar had an understanding of their times to know what Israel ought to do. If we are going to know how to live during a situation like we are in that we have never walked through before, we, we've never seen anything like this in anybody's memory in history where a world can be shut down by a pandemic. The world wasn't shut down by a pandemic in the Spanish flu. It wasn't shut down by the, the Black Plague of the 1800s. I mean, this is the first time a world has been shut down by a pandemic. Now, if we're going to understand our times, we, ha we cannot just understand them economically and sociologically and politically. We have to understand our times spiritually. What is happening in the spiritual realm has a direct correlation to what is happening in the physical realm. You've often heard me say things happen in the spirit realm before they happen in the physical realm. Now, Paul told young Timothy, the pastor of the great church of Ephesus, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, Paul said, Timothy, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Times of what? Oh, Pastor Samuel, I thought you believed in prosperity. I do. But I am also a very realistic person of faith like Abraham who faces facts. Paul said, in the last days there will come times or seasons of difficulty. We are in one of those seasons of difficulty right now. And we can wish it away if we want, but it's, it's not going away. We have to learn how to live. Everybody say, learn how to live. Now, we taught you from the beginning of this thing last March. Psalms 91 verse 6. Nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness. The whole world is focused on COVID-19, but please forgive me. COVID-19 is not all that. I mean, there are less people dying of COVID-19 than die of dengue. I mean, please, in, in no way do I belittle it. And no, I'm not saying we shouldn't have lockdowns. I mean, please, you, you, look, at, you look at Brazil. Brazil made fun of this thing and would not do any lockdowns and said it's no big deal. And they are now at 141,000 people dead in their nation. We are only at 5,000. So please forgive me. Thank God for the lockdown. Oh, Pastor, I don't want to thank God for the lockdown. Folks, please, can you imagine burying 140,000 of our cup of iron? The majority would have been here in Metro Manila. Can you imagine the open graves? Can you imagine the mass graves? I've seen the pictures in Brazil. The mass graves. We don't ever want that in our beloved land. I can't hear you. But when you look at COVID-19, you know, the last statistics I read... If you get COVID-19 and you're under the age 69 years old and younger, you have a 99% chance of being fine. Everybody say, full recovery. I mean, 99%. The power of COVID is the fact that it stalks in darkness. Psalms 91 verse 6. That it is the season of darkness that has empowered it with a fear that is gripping people's lives. And we have to understand, this fear is not logical, this fear is not rational, but this fear is gripping people's lives so that they won't make decisions. And they, it's paralyzing lives and paralyzing nations. 
The thing that has given power to COVID-19 is not the power of the disease. It's the power of the spiritual environment that it's taking place in. We are living in a time of a spiritual climate change. Everybody say, a spiritual climate change. Now, we've studied this in detail, but just remember these things. In Luke 22, verse 53, Jesus looked at them as they arrested him in the, in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, every day I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Now, when darkness reigns, it doesn't mean that God is no longer faithful or the promises of God are not true and having faith in God does not work. Please, it does not mean that. But it does mean that there is a spiritual climate change and there are things that are taking place in the spirit realm in this world with the God of this world, which is Satan, that we have to begin to comprehend. So Paul stands before the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6. He said, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. He said, guys, there's, there's some hard days. There's an evil season coming ahead. And he tries to prepare them for the fact that in this next generation, there would be a huge spiritual climate change in what was then called Asia. That first generation had been through an, the most incredible revival in church history. The seven churches of Asia were born. The center of Christianity moved from Jerusalem to the city of Ephesus. Historians tell us even Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the apostle John came and moved and ended their lives in Ephesus. It became the great center of Christianity in the world. But in the next generation, Satan moved his throne to the city of Pergamum, 100 kilometers north of, of Ephesus. And he began to destroy everything that had been brought in the revival. Incredible persecution came against the church. The pastor of, of the city of Pergamum himself was, was excuse me, killed alive. He was literally put in a burning bull as a sacrifice to Zeus. You, you see the, the, the flagrant sexual immorality, unrepentant sexual immorality of, of spiritual leaders. You, you, you see the, the false doctrines, the false prophets, all of this, Revelation 2 and Revelation 3. There was a spiritual climate change. And we have to understand that when the spiritual climate changes, we have something that Paul teaches us to do. Verse 10, Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after having done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Everybody say, put on my caliga. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, I'm going to stop there because that's what we're going to be preaching on today. We've studied in detail about putting on the full armor of God, not a part of it. We've understood its purpose of this armor of God. We began to look at each piece of this armor one by one. We've studied the belt of truth. We spent many weeks on the breastplate of righteousness. A couple of weeks ago, we focused on our spiritual battle boots. Everybody say, my caliga. That's with a C, not with a K. I noticed some of you were putting it in your Facebook with a K. Caliga, C-A-L-I-G-A. 
These are your spiritual battle boots. Everybody say, my spiritual battle boots. Now, that is a life of evangelism. Everybody say, a life of evangelism. In fact, Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and in which you now stand. Put the battle boots back up there. You stand in the gospel. Everybody say, I stand in the gospel. You're standing in your spiritual battle boots. As we live a life of evangelism, we not only are able to stand our ground on the field of battle so that we're not pushed back and destroyed. We are able to advance. Everybody say, we advance. This is why some of you, you've been very involved in evangelism during this whole lockdown. You found that your career has advanced. You found that you've gotten promotion. One, two of our families came to me just this last week. Said, Pastor Samar, you keep talking about difficult times, but Pastor, I've gotten two promotions and two raises this year during the lockdown. I just looked at him and said, wow, God is amazing. Look at the person I said, God is amazing. But these were people who have been very, very involved in evangelism. When you put on your caliga, when you are involved in winning the lost, every day of your life, you're sharing the gospel. There is an impact in the spirit realm. You stand your ground and your own life advances. Everybody say, we advance. Now look at verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, the Greek word here for take up the shield of faith means to pick up or carry. It's different than when we get into next week, Lord willing, we take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. There's a very different Greek word there, and it's a fascinating study that we'll get into next week. But right now, I want us to learn how to take up the shield of faith. The first thing Paul says, in all circumstances. In what? Now look at it. In all. It doesn't say just when it looks like there's trouble ahead. In all circumstances. You're going out to play basketball. You take up the shield of faith. You're going out to have a wonderful dinner with your friends. Not right now, but maybe later. You take the shield of faith with you. In every circumstance, whether it looks like a battle whether it looks like a problem or whether it looks like a great blessing. In every situation, in every circumstance, God says, carry with you the shield of faith. Never let the shield of faith be left at home. In all circumstances. In how many circumstances? Say it again, please. Now, what is this shield of faith? Well, it's a shield that's about four and a half feet tall about two and a half feet wide. You see there's a handle there in the middle where you can hold it with your hand and then on the outside it's got a, a steel cover so that people can't cut your fingers off and stick a spear in there and make you drop your sword. It's got a leather uh, belt with it that goes across the shoulders. You can help carry the weight of this shield on your shoulders. But again, it's, it's a large shield. It's called a scutum. S-C-U-T-O-M. A scutum. It's the main battle shield. It was one of the great, great weapons of the Roman military. Now, when Paul tells them to take up their scutum in all circumstances, people immediately had a picture in their mind. Just like we have a picture when you say Bionian. If somebody says Bionian to me, I think of about 50 guys carrying a Baha'i Kubo 
in the province. A, a whole group of people working together as a community project. It says volumes to me just by anihan. Now, when you say these word pictures to these people who for 200 years had lived under the heel of the Roman military, they knew what a scutum was. This four and a half foot shield that you could easily just set it on the ground and you're right behind it and no, nothing's going to get to you. Covered with a very thick layer of leather on the front side that the last thing before you went to battle, and we'll talk about this later, you, they poured water on it and they made it even heavier, okay? That's why there's a, a leather belt to help carry it. The whole front of it was covered with a very thick porous leather. They poured water on it and made the front of the shield very, very wet. Now this is the shield. Everybody say the shield. Say it again. Here's a couple more pictures. Next. Now, this, I show you because this is one of the things that made the Roman military so successful in conquering the world. It was their strategy and their military formations. This is a formation that they used using the scutums. It is called the tortoise or the turtle formation. Everybody say tortoise formation. Now, when the Chinese saw this in ancient days, they adopted it and called it the fish scale formation, all right? But it started with the Romans as the tortoise formation. Now, if you look at it, it doesn't matter what somebody is shooting at them. Nobody can hit anybody. Is that correct? You've got a row of shields across the front. You've got a row of shields across the top. And if they were in the open, they would have another guy on the side, and he would have another shield right along each of the sides, so they were literally like a tortoise. They had this huge shell, and nothing could get through it and harm them as they walked through an open field or as they came up to attack the walls of a city. It was called the tortoise formation. And one of the things I want you to see here is, when we stick together, we cannot be destroyed. Everybody say, when we stick together, when the body of Christ walks in unity with our scutums, with our shields of faith in place, we can't be destroyed. But when we get off alone on our own thinking that we're all that and we're the great warrior and we don't need anybody, we don't need the rest of the family around, then we're off by ourselves in the middle of a dangerous battlefield and it's very easy to get killed. Are we still here? Are we still here? Now, this is the shield of faith. If purpose was to protect you, especially against arrows, everybody say arrows. Now we're going to get more into this in just a few minutes, but remember with me in our key passage all during this thing in Psalms 91 verse 5. He said, you don't need to fear the arrow that flies by day. The most feared thing in ancient combat was not the guy you could see standing in front of you with a spear or with a sword. The most feared thing in ancient combat was an arrow because you never heard it or saw it coming. Everybody say, never saw it. Now, if you hear people shooting guns today, true. If, if you hear it, it's too late, you're dead. But at least you can hear people shooting. An arrow is a silent killer. Everybody say, a silent killer. Now, we'll come back to that in just a minute. We're just spending time defining terms. Now, what is the scutum of faith, uh, the shield of faith? 
I can give you a bunch of theological definitions of faith, but let me give you the simplest understanding I can give you of what faith is. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith has two parts. The knowledge of the power of God that he exists, that he is God. Everybody say, there is a God. All right, there is this omnipotent, omniscient God. You must have a, a knowledge that God exists. In other words, the power of God. And secondly, you must have a knowledge of the rewarder of those who seek him, the character of God. Everybody say, the knowledge of God and the character of God. Now, in every circumstance of life, you are to walk into that circumstance of life with a knowledge of the power of God and the character of God. In every circumstance of life, whether you're walking into a basketball game, whether you're walking into uh, a meeting to give you your promotion and a bonus, or whether you're walking into a situation where you know it's going to be a battle, you walk in there with this knowledge hiding behind. Everybody say, hiding behind. The thing that's right out there in front of you is a knowledge of the power and the character of God that come what may, that whatever happens in this meeting, whatever happens in this day, I know the power and I know the character of God. Are you getting this? Now putting it in an Old Testament fashion. Genesis 15 verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Who's the shield? God. What is the shield of faith? The knowledge of the character and the power of God. Psalms 18 verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. Psalms chapter 18 verse 30, the Lord, excuse me, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. Notice faith. Everybody say faith. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for those who take refuge in him. Psalms 28 7, the Lord is my strength and my, and my what? And my what? Oh, come on, you got to help me because I've been preaching to cars and everybody likes to honk in the cars and you're quiet. So everybody go honk, honk. The Lord is my rock and my shield. Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. He's a what? Shield. Now, if we want to say it in the old way, we just say we walk in with God. If we want to see it, say it in a New Testament way, we walk into every circumstance in life with the shield of faith, the knowledge of the power and the character of God going before us. Everybody say, the knowledge of the power and the character of God. Now, what is the purpose of this shield? Well, he said, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. We talked about that. With which... You can, you have the potential, you can extinguish, everybody say extinguish, extinguish all the flaming darts or flaming arrows of the evil one. Extinguish how many flaming arrows? 
all. Now notice, it did not say that they would miss you. It did not say they would pass through you and not cause any damage. It says they would be extinguished. In other words, after the battle, you'll be able to look at your, your, your shield and go, Whoa, I got five arrows in my shield. How many you got? I, you got 20 in your shield? No, no, no. I only got one arrow in my shield. The arrows are there, but they were extinguished. They were what? Now, what are these flaming arrows? Well, first of all, let me ask you a question. Did any of you ever see the movie called Gladiator? How many of you saw Gladiator? I know it's a little violent. Nice movie, though. Put your hand up if you saw Gladiator. Do you remember in the opening of the Gladiator, the archers were on a hill, and this is how the Romans would fight. The archers were on a hill where nobody could get to them, and they would put fire in a trench in front of them with, like, tar or something that would burn very slowly, a big, long trench. And they would take these arrows... And they would bind them with cloth and tar or cloth and pitch. Not gasoline. It burns up too fast. But, and they didn't have gasoline in those days. But it was a very unrefined, very thick black substance. And they'd wrap cloth with it so that it would, would stick. And then just before they would launch their arrows, they would dip them in the fire and set them on fire. Now, at first, the fire is kind of small. It's just on the tip of an arrow. But when they would shoot these arrows, it became a very fearful thing. Because as they would shoot the arrow, the flame would just be magnified. Why would the flame be magnified? Have you ever heard of fanning the flame? Think with me. How many of you have ever cooked rice old school? Where you've got a little steel pot, you've got a couple of rocks, you put some twigs and a little bit of wood underneath it, and you cook your rice. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Old school rice cooking. Do you remember when you were cooking your rice and you go, God, this fire is taking forever. I'm hungry. And you wanted to speed up the boil. You take a piece of cardboard or something, and what would you do with the fire? You would fan it. And what would happen to the fire when you fanned it? It would get bigger and bigger. Now, the same principle. When you shoot this arrow through the sky, what happens to the flame? It gets bigger and bigger because of, of, the, of, of the speed of the air on it. So Now, when these, fi when these fiery arrows came down, I know what the movies make it look like. They killed everybody. But by the time you shot an arrow that distance, there's not much velocity left. If I was to take an arrow from right here, bow and arrow, and shoot Pastor Manalo from right here, you know what? It would probably go about six or eight inches deep in him. Okay? Right in, just six or eight inches deep into him. Maybe only four. But if I was standing over at the PPL building and I shot an arrow way up into the sky so that it came down over here. Now it's dropping still with some speed, but there's not the velocity of a close shot. Those arrows did not kill people. Those arrows cause panic and incapacity. Everybody say panic and incapacity. So these flaming arrows, it's not that they're deadly. There's not much velocity with them. These flaming arrows call, cause fear or panic and incapacity. Now, why fear? Because you see fire coming down from the sky on you. Now you put your shield up 
But as soon as your shield, if your shield catches fire, is it normal to hang on to something burning in your hand? No, you panic and you drop it. When you drop your shield, what happens in, the, in a battlefield? You die very quickly, Diba. You've got other archers moving toward you on the ground, and they're going to have velocity with theirs. You've got guys with swords and spears. You're dead. So fear opens you to destruction. Secondly, if one of these arrows hits you, it's not that it's going to kill you because it's not going to go in you very far. There's not a lot of velocity. But that burning tar, that burning pitch that is on it, you are going to be screaming in pain. You are incapacitated. And you are very easy to destroy when somebody comes up with a spear or a sword because you're so busy screaming in pain, you can't fight. Everybody say panic and incapacity. Now, what are these flaming arrows? They are called the flaming arrows of the evil one. Of the what one? Now, what are the flaming arrows of the evil one? Ephesians 6.11 Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes, the logical presentation of deception, that's what that word means, of the devil. And do you remember what Diablo means? Slanderer. Accuser of the brethren. That's Satan. Everybody say, slanderer. That's what Diablo means, slanderer. Now, brothers and sisters, straight up talk. In a season of darkness, Psalms 91 verse 5, when the arrows are flying, in this season of battle, when the arrows are flying, these are not physical arrows. These are spiritual arrows of slander and accusation. Everybody say, slander and accusation. They cannot kill you. They cannot destroy you. But they can make you fearful and panicked. And they can make you incapacitated. Everybody say panicked and incapacitated. Now, th this isn't just from people. Everybody say not from people. This is why Paul says earlier there in Ephesians 6, we are not fighting against flesh and blood. D don't get in a fight with people. This slander and stuff doesn't come from people. It comes from the devil. Who does it come from? Now, put yourself in Jesus' position in that first Holy Week. He says, this is a season when darkness rules in the Garden of Gethsemane. Think of the slander and lies he faced as he is taken to Annas, the godfather of the high priest. Think of the slander and lies that he faced as he's brought before Caiaphas in his house. Think of the slander and lies that he faced before the Sanhedrin that first Good Friday morning. Think of the slander and lies that he faced before Pilate. Do you notice Jesus didn't panic? Did you notice that Jesus was not in fearful paralysis? That Jesus was not incapacitated? He stayed in full function of his thoughts and mind. He stood before Pilate, did not even defend himself. Why, why should I defend myself against lies? Pilate said, you know, don't you have anything to say? No, no, not really. He wasn't panicked. He wasn't incapacitated by the lies and slander. Think about the Apostle Paul. 
all the lies and slander that came against him. He was not panicked. He was not incapacitated by it. He had the shield of faith. He had the what? 2 Corinthians 11, verse 25 and 26. Paul said, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a night and day adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger of rivers, danger of robbers, danger of my own people, referring to the Jews, danger from the Gentile, danger of the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. Danger from what? People who claim to be your brothers. Not just Christian brothers, but, but close relationships. He said, there are dangers of false brothers. Now, the dangers of false brothers, forgive me, are the slander and the lies that come from the evil one. Now, I want you to notice what the shield of faith is capable of doing. The shield of faith is capable of extinguishing the fire. Everybody say, extinguishing? Ulitanatan, put out the fire. So that there's no fear and there's no incapacity by the slander and the lies. Now, how does the shield of faith extinguish or put out the fire of these arrows? Now, they're still shot at you, and you've still got five or six of them stuck in your shield, but there's no fear, there's no panic, there's no incapacity. Why? Because they've been extinguished on the shield. Now, how does the shield do that? Again, this is one of these pictures that everybody understood in the ancient times that we have to discuss today so we understand. The last thing I taught you that they do before battle is guys come by with these big wheelbarrow or these big barrels of water in a, in a cart and they go across the front right line of these guys and they take big buckets of water and they pour that water over that thick porous leather on the front of their shield. Everybody say, the water. Now when those flaming arrows come down into that torches formation or those flaming arrows come at them head on, as soon as they hit, as soon as those arrows hit that thick, wet leather, what happens to the fire? It's extinguished. What's the water? The Holy Spirit. Now listen to me carefully. In these days in which we live, many of you, I mean one of the big things I keep getting messages about these days, is your problems at work. It's like Darwin's survival of the fittest. It's like swimming with the sharks. Companies are talking layoffs, and so everybody is fighting for their jobs, and they're stepping on each other, and they're telling lies about each other. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And please, we've been through this before. During the 80s, we saw the same thing. When companies start laying off workers, when companies start retrenching, it is amazing the slander and the lies that happen against good people like you. Now, you're, the way to solve this, the way to deal with this is not to fight back. It's not to get on Facebook and fight back with people. Just block them in Jesus' name. I, I didn't hear you. It, it, it's not to sit there and fight with these people. It's like Jesus. You know, he, he didn't stand there and defend himself before Pilate. He said, well, you know, no, I'm not going to sit here and answer all this nonsense. It's, it's not true. Now, the way to deal with it 
The way to deal with all these challenges that are happening right now, and this is the big thing our workers are facing in the offices right now, is the slander and the lies as people fight for jobs and fight for positions. And because you're, especially if you work from home, you're not there to defend yourself. And people start saying all these things, and you're not there to defend yourself. What you do is you walk into every circumstance with the shield of faith. I know who I belong to. I know the power of God. I know the character of God. And you have saturated that knowledge of God with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon your life. Did you hear what I just said? Everybody say, an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Now, I know we can't have revival nights right now and we can't lay hands on everybody, but that's not going to stop God from pouring out the Spirit upon you in your house. When you go home tonight, you need to sit there in your sala and say, Lord, let there be a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost here right now in my home. Lord, I want you to touch my children while they're sitting over there doing the homework. Let the Holy Ghost come down so strong. Oh, manifest the presence of the Holy Ghost here tonight. Let the Holy Spirit touch my children tonight. Let the Holy Ghost flow to my life tonight and begin to worship in tongues and worship in the Holy Ghost and pray in the Holy Ghost and watch God visit your house with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you've got an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on that shield of faith, Bring on the slander. Bring on the lies. They are extinguished in Jesus' name. And you walk in victory. You don't walk in fear. And you're not incapacitated by the lies and the slander. You keep moving your life forward in Jesus' name. Did you learn something today? Now, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit are maybe even more fun. Would you stand with me, please? Let me pray for you. <laughs> this is called real life everybody say welcome to real life you and I we would think everybody would pull together in the hard times but have you noticed most people act like survival of the fittest swim with the sharks brothers and sisters don't fear that God is with you I didn't hear you. Father, keep your hand upon them. Lord, let there just come revelation knowledge of your power and of your character. That, Father, they walk around behind that shield of knowing who you are. And, Father, I pray in every home as they cry out to you, Lord, let there be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in every home. Let there be fresh fillings in every home. Every father, every mother, every young person, Lord. Fresh outpourings in the Holy Ghost. Lord, in these days, we have to do things a little differently. Lord Jesus, we just ask that you initiate these things. Father, for some families as they just sit around the table at night, Lord, let it just, let the Holy Ghost fall. <laughs> oh, surprise them with an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Not even looking for it, Lord, but a great surprise of the Holy Spirit. Touching families, Lord. Touching young people, Lord. Touching the children. Touching the Lolos and the Lolas, Father.
We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, I went too long today. I'm sorry. I'll try to be a little shorter next week. We are trying to keep the services shorter. I didn't look at my clock. Look at the person next to you and say, Pastor says sorry. Campus pastors, would you come please?